for divorce, and then he testified in court about the neglect and the abuse. He was very mature. A low rushing sound came from the dirt road, and a shiny black Lincoln appeared over the slight hill and eased toward them. Mark dropped his cigarette to the ground and covered it with his shoe. Ricky did the same. Just sit still, Mark said softly. They did not move. The car circled around slowly and stopped. Mark slid off the log and crawled through the weeds to a row of brush. Ricky followed. The rear of the Lincoln was thirty feet away. They watched it carefully. It had Louisiana license plates. What's he doing? Ricky whispered. Mark peeked through the weeds. Shh! After a while, the door on the driver's side opened, and a chubby man in a black suit stumbled out. He removed a water hose from the trunk, stuck one end into the exhaust pipe, and ran the other through a crack in the left rear window. Then he disappeared into the car again, and the engine started. What's he doing? Ricky asked. He's trying to kill himself, Mark said softly. I saw a guy do it like this in a movie once. Why does he want to kill himself? Ricky asked. How am I supposed to know, but we got to do something. Mark grabbed his brother's shoulder and forced him lower. Hey, you stay here, he said. If you move, I'll kick your tail. Mark slid snake-like on his belly until he was in the shadow of the trunk. He eased the hose from the tailpipe and dropped it to the ground. Seconds later, he was crouched again next to Ricky. He knew that if they were spotted, they could dart down the trail and be gone before the man could catch them. They waited. Five minutes passed. You think he's dead? Ricky whispered, his voice dry and weak. I don't know. When the door opened again, the man was crying and mumbling. He was holding a bottle of whiskey. He staggered to the rear of the car, cursed the hose, and shoved it back into the tailpipe. Then he stumbled back into the car again. I'm scared, Ricky whispered. He closed his eyes tightly and started crying. Come on, let's get out of here. Mark grabbed his brother's shoulder again and forced him to the ground. We can. If he kills himself and we saw it or knew about it, then we could get into all kinds of trouble. Now just stay down. Ricky watched while Mark again eased through the tall grass and again pulled the hose from the tailpipe. Then he heard the grass crackle softly, and Mark was next to him again, panting and sweating. What if he comes out again? Ricky asked. What if he sees us? Mark stared at his brother fiercely. I'm trying to save his life, okay? Maybe, just maybe, he'll see that this is not working, and maybe he'll decide he should wait or something. Again, the man rolled out of the car, growling and talking to himself. He grabbed the end of the hose, stared at it, as if it just wouldn't behave, and again crammed it back into the tailpipe. He hurried back to his door. Mark, please, let's go, Ricky pleaded. He almost saw us. What, what if he's got a gun or something? If he had a gun, he'd use it on himself, Mark reasoned. Now, I'll try one more time, okay? And if he doesn't give up, then we'll get out of here. I promise, okay? Ricky nodded reluctantly, and one more time his brother stretched on his stomach and inched his way through the reeds. The lawyer's nostrils flared as he inhaled mightily and tried to determine if any of the precious, deadly gas had entered his blood and begun its work. A loaded pistol was on the seat next to him. 
The note was on the dash above the steering wheel next to a bottle of pills. A half-empty fifth of Jack Daniels was in his hand. He unscrewed the cap, took a sip, and the whiskey ran from his lips and trickled into his beard. In the rearview mirror, he saw the weeds move behind the car. Ricky saw the door open before Mark heard it. It flew open, as if kicked, and suddenly the large, heavy man with the red face was running through the weeds and growling. Ricky stood in shock and fear and wet his pants. Mark froze for a second, gave a quick thought to crawling under the car, and the hesitation nailed him. You little bastard! The man screamed as he grabbed Mark's hair. You little bastard! Mark kicked and squirmed, and a fat hand slapped him in the face. He kicked once more, not as violently, and he got slapped again. When the man had Mark pinned and subdued, he stuck the hose back into the exhaust pipe. Then he dragged Mark to the open driver's door and threw him across the seat. Mark was searching for the door lock switch when the man fell behind the steering wheel. He slammed the door, pointed at the switch, and screamed, Don't touch that! Then he backhanded Mark in the left eye. Mark shrieked in pain. His nose hurt like hell and his mouth hurt worse. He tasted blood. His left eye began to swell. Things were blurred. Stop crying, fat man snarled. Mark rubbed the knot above his eye and tried to breathe deeply. He turned slowly and glanced at the hose winding through the rear window. The fat man laughed. Oh, yeah, you had to be a cute ass. Had to stick your dirty little nose into my business, didn't you? <sighs> so I think we should die together, okay? Miss you and me, pal. Off to La La Land. <laughs> Off to see the wizard. Sweet dreams, kid. He stuck the whiskey bottle in his mouth and turned it up. Mark sniffed the air. And then his eyes fell on the pistol. You want it? The man asked. You like to shoot me with it? No, sir. The man slowly screwed the cap onto the whiskey bottle, then suddenly grabbed the pistol and stuck it into his own mouth. He kept his eyes on Mark, who watched every move. Then he withdrew the barrel from his mouth, kissed the end of it, and pointed it at Mark. I've never shot this thing, you know, he said, almost in a whisper. Just bought an hour ago to pawn shop in Memphis. You think it'll work? Please let me out of here, Mark answered. You have a choice, kid, the man said. I'll blow your brains out, and it's over now, or the gas will get you. Your choice. Mark sniffed the air. The gun was close to his head. Why are you doing this? He asked. I'm nuts, okay, kid? Over the edge. I planned a nice little private suicide, you know? Just me and my hose, maybe a few pills and some whiskey. Nobody looking for me. But no, you have to get cute. He lowered the pistol and placed it on the seat. Mark rubbed the knot on his forehead and bit his lip. His hands were shaking and he pressed them between his legs. Ricky finally moved. His teeth chattered and his jeans were wet, 
but he crawled toward the car, crying and gritting his teeth. The door was about to fly open. The crazy man, who was large but quick, would leap from nowhere and grab him by the neck, and they'd all die. Slowly, inch by inch, he pushed his way through the weeds. The fat man waved the gun wildly in front of Mark's face and pulled the trigger. Mark screamed as the window behind his head cracked into a thousand pieces but did not shatter. It works! <laughs> it works! The man yelled as Mark ducked and covered his ears. Mark clutched his knees and tried to stop crying. He had to stop crying and think of something. On a television show once, some nut was about to jump off a building, and this cool cop just kept talking to him and talking to him, and finally the nut started talking back and, of course, did not jump. Mark quickly smelled for gas and asked, Why are you doing this? Because I want to die, the man said calmly. Why? Mark asked again. Why do kids ask so many questions? Look, kid, we'll be dead in five minutes, okay? Just you and me, pal. Off to see the wizard. In the side mirror, Mark caught a glimpse of Ricky as he slithered through the weeds and ducked back into the bushes. I gotta tell you, kid, it's nice having you here. No one wants to die alone. What's your name? Mark. Mark who? Mark Sway. Keep talking, maybe the nut won't jump. What's your name? Jerome. You can call me Romy, that's what my friends call me. Since you and I are pretty tight now, you can call me Romy. No more questions, okay, kid? Why do you want to die, Romy? I said no more questions. You feel the gas, Mark? I don't know. You will soon enough. Better say your prayers. Romy sank low into the seat with his beefy head straight back and eyes closed. We got about five minutes, Mark. Any last words? Yeah, why are you doing this? Mark asked, glancing at the mirror for another sign of his brother. He took short, quick breaths through the nose and neither smelled nor felt anything. Surely Ricky had removed the hose. Because I'm crazy. It's another crazy lawyer, right? I've been driven crazy, Mark. And how old are you? Eleven. You ever tasted whiskey? No, Mark answered truthfully. Suddenly the whiskey bottle was in his face, and he took it. Take a shot, Romy said without opening his eyes. Mark told himself that Ricky had done the trick, that the hose was harmless, that Romy here was drunk and crazy, and that if he survived, he would do so by thinking and talking. He breathed deeply. He told himself he could make it. He set the bottle on the seat. What made you crazy? he asked. Romy thought for a second and decided this was humorous. He actually chuckled a little. <laughs> oh, this is perfect. For weeks now, I've known something no one else knows, except my client, who's a real piece of scum, by the way. You see, Mark, lawyers hear all sorts of private stuff that we can never repeat. Confidential stuff, you understand? He inhaled mightily and exhaled with enormous pleasure. My client killed a man and hid the body, and now my client wants to kill me. 
That's what made me crazy. <laughs> oh, this is great, Mark. I, the trusted lawyer, can now tell you, literally seconds before we float away, where the body is. The body, Mark. The most notorious undiscovered corpse of our time. I can finally tell. The lawyer chortled, but Mark missed the humor. He glanced at the mirror, then at the door lock switch a foot away. Who did your client kill? Mark asked. Romy grinned, but did not open his eyes. A United States senator. I'm telling. I'm telling. I'm spilling my guts. You read the newspapers? No. I'm not surprised. Senator Boyette from New Orleans. Only U.S. senator murdered while in office. That's who he killed. Why did your client kill Senator Boyette? Why, 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 who, who, who? Damn it, kid. You're full of questions, aren't you? You're a real pain in the ass. I know. Why don't you just let me go? My client has killed a lot of people, the lawyer said. That's how he makes money, by killing people. He took a long drink from the bottle. Just think about it, kid. Right now, Barry, or Barry the Blade, as he's known, these mafia guys all have cute nicknames, you know, is waiting on me in a restaurant in New Orleans. He's probably got a couple of his pals nearby. After dinner, he'll want me to get in the car and take a little drive, and then he'll pull out a knife. That's why they call him the Blade, and I'm history. They dispose of my body somewhere, just like they did with Senator Boyette. But we showed them, didn't we, kid? We beat them to it. Keep him talking, Mark thought. So where's this senator's body? Romy put his hand on the gun as if to warn Mark off anything sudden. The body's under my boat. Your boat? Yes, my boat. He was in a hurry. I was out of town, so my beloved client took the body to my house and buried it in fresh concrete under my garage. It's still there. Can you believe it? FBI's dug up half of New Orleans trying to find it, but they never thought about my house. Well, maybe Barry ain't so stupid after all. I'd really like to leave now, Mark said. Shut up! Gas is working now. We're gone, kid. Gone. He dropped the pistol on the seat. The engine hummed quietly. Mark glanced at the bullet.